So we're going to do a bit of a um, look at um, worship in our lives with song. So last week, um, even though I wasn't here, I had the opportunity to listen to it on the net, um, Dad's sermon, um, and he was talking about building a life of service um, with worship. And so what Dad was talking about, Mark, sorry, if you're not sure, Mark is my dad, um, so what Dad was talking about, the main, main idea that ran through his sermon was um, that worship is, and he used a quote which I'm going to use um, as well today from the W.E. Vines, um, and it says, Worship is the, lost my place, is a direct acknowledgement of God and his nature, attributes, ways, and claims. And if that's real worship then that's what we have to get right in terms of God. We have to get that right. Um, and the only way that we can get that right is understanding the holiness of God. That's what Dad spoke about. The holiness of God and the love of God and that balance. And then having that balance in our Christian lives when it comes to servanthood and serving. Um, so that was what he spoke about last week. And then the week before that, he um, kicked us off with this idea of building a life of worship. So today, as I said, I'm going to be talking a bit about worshipping God in song. Um, so, they've got my quote up there. We'll just read through that again, just to give us a refresh of the whole thing. So it says, The worship of God is nowhere defined in Scripture. A consideration of the above verbs shows it is not confined to praise. Broadly, it may be regarded as the direct acknowledgement to God of his nature, attributes, ways, and claims, whether by the outgoing of the heart in praise and thanksgiving or by deed done in such acknowledgement. So basically, simply put in layman's terms, which is the best way that I know how to do it so I can understand, is um, worship is basically us recognizing God for, and we break down the nature, attributes, ways, and claims. Basically, who God is, what he's done, what he's going to do, and what he's said. So us acknowledging that and recognizing that. Who God is, what he's done, what he's going to do, and what he's said. And then once we have this recognition... We show it through praise and thanksgiving or by actions. It's an outward expression with, that shows our recognition of who God really is, what he's said, what he's done, what he's going to do, and who he is. So if this is the, I guess, definition of worship, what isn't worship? Can anybody remember? Dad touched on it. Was it last week or the week before that? I'm mixing my sermons. I don't know. He touched on it. So uh, worship is not a place. Worship is not an emotion. And worship is not a ritual. So those are the three things, three things that worship isn't. It's not a place. It's not a ritual. And it's not an emotion. So there's nowhere that you can go and have a worship experience. I can't go to, let's say, a bigger church. Um, by example, and I've been there before, like a few 
years ago, or actually ages ago, maybe like 10 years ago, for night services, I went to Hillsong. And they have a great band. They have a lot of people. And that kind of vibe and feeling and atmosphere can get you really kind of in here, yeah, fired up. And you lift your hands and you'll sing. And that's where I probably learnt to be brave and lift my hands um, because everybody else around me was doing it. But that... That feeling, doing this, all the people with me, all the voices, the band, all of that does not create worship. It's not in that place. That might be a great church. You might get fed there. You might be able to go to any church like that and have singing like that and music like that and an experience like that. But that's not what worship is. Worship is not a place. And it's not an emotion. That feeling I felt of you just feel so... It's almost like you would call it close to God, but that's just your emotion saying you feel close to God. You feel warm and fuzzy and nice, lovely. That feeling, that's not worship. And it's not a ritual either. It's not the three fast songs, three slow songs, and now we're going to lead into worship. It's not that. That's not worship. And see, the trap that we can sometimes get caught into, especially me being a music leader, is I can watch, I do like, you know, my bit of, I guess, research and songs, look at songs and get some music material and stuff like that so that we're introducing new songs and things like that. And you watch music clips and you watch the way that... um, For example, I watch Bethel music clips to see how they sing their songs, like how they kind of go through bridge, chorus, verse, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. But with the music clip comes the visual of the people and the way that the people sing. And it's funny, I was talking to my sister about this a couple of weeks back now um, because she's really passionate about singing as well. And we were talking about how people can get really caught up and you can really tell when somebody starts to emulate a particular way of doing worship. You get these ones, you get these ones, you get these ones, like all sorts. There's all sorts of ones out there. And I've seen lots of them. And it's really hard because you admire the person in the in the clip, you admire the, their passion for God. You admire how they're like running the music in their church. You admire that. But it's hard to not get kind of caught up in, I have to do that to be part of worship. I have to do these ones and these ones and these ones and whatever it might be, interpretive dance, to be a part of true worship. It's got nothing to do with that. And this is not not the place, the ritual, the emotion. This is not the kind of worship that God would require of us. And you might say, well, then what is? If this is what's been kind of portrayed to us, everywhere that we go, every church that we see, they go, let's come into a time of worship now. And you go, okay, worship, that word, is now associated with this time. 
if that's not what God wants when it comes to worship, then what is? So, let's have a look at what true worship looks like. We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And in the chapter, um, it touches on um, tongues and prophecy, and then it touches on um, a bit more about tongues further on in the chapter. Um, And it talks about who they edify, why we do them, and, um, yeah, that kind of thing. So in verse 14 and 15, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So basically that means when, okay, tongues being that funny kind of language that people speak. It's like that cut them asunder, cut them in two, cut them in half kind of thing. That thing, and you don't understand what they're saying, that's tongues. It's like a heavenly language. Or it may even be a language that is earthly, but you don't even know how to speak that language, and you're, by the grace of God and the gift of God, speaking it. That's tongues. So it's saying, if I speak in tongues, um, my spirit's praying, but I have no idea what I'm saying. It's got n- not even registering for me. And then in verse 15, it says, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, And I will also sing with the understanding. So now it's crossing over into song. So it's saying there's praying, you're speaking to God, you're um, praying in the spirit, so praying in tongues, that funny language, and then you're praying with your understanding. So you're praying with the English language. And then it's crossing over and it's saying with singing too, you can do the same thing. Sing with words that you know, songs that we know. And then you can also sing in the spirit, sing in tongues. Okay, so there's two attributes. So that's the first one is the understanding. Praying, praying with your understanding, praying with your mind. And in Hebrews 13 verse 15, it says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And note at the beginning there it says, Therefore by him. We don't do any of this in our own strength, with our own ability. It's by God. And it's for God. It's not for us. Although speaking in tongues, be it privately, is edifying for our spirit, for us personally. He's given us the gift by him to glorify his name. So if we really like okay when you think about it let's break down the let's break down the um, praying with your mind. So that's praying with the English language, praying with words that we know. Or maybe you don't speak English, maybe you speak a different language. It's praying with your mother tongue. If you really had to think about it and you had to think about God and you had to think about Nature, attributes, ways, claims. So what were those? What he is, who he is, what he's done, what he's going to do, and what he said. So the word of God. If you think about that kind of thing, and if you look out and around, like we were at the beach, 
visiting mum and dad. And you look out, there's some really rabbits on the grass everywhere. It's New South Wales. I've discovered rabbits, they know that there's a border. They don't cross over to Queensland. They know the border. No, somebody told me rabbit-proof fence. I didn't actually think that through, but <laughs> ping, light bulb. But there's beautiful little rabbits running around on the grass and there's the ocean and this blue sky and there's all the kind of just things in creation. And you can look at that and go, that's lovely. That's a really nice picture. How's the serenity? Love it. But you're not really grasping it. Sit down, look at the trees. Look at the way that they're formed. Look at their shape. Look at their leaves. Look at the rabbit. Look at what it's feeding off. Look at how it's running around. It's got its own senses. It's got its own like habitat. It can survive in nature. If you look around at everything around you in creation, wouldn't that just conjure up a whole lot of words? There are more than... Okay, let's see if I can give me a number. 171,476, more than that many words in the English language. They can't actually give you a definite number. I've read briefly that and then I didn't read further to say why. I wasn't really going to touch on that. But there's more than 171,000 odd words in the English language. We have such a massive scope of vocabulary that we can use to describe nature, attributes, ways, claims of our God. But in our, I guess, humanness, in our, I guess for me, daftness of mind, I, you still find yourself speechless, I guess, at a loss for words. Some things just like smack you in the mouth and you can't say anything. It's like, wow. And that's about it. I've got one word for that. And when it comes to that point and we've got nothing left in terms of our language and the words that we know, that is when God gives us this great gift and says, here is a language you don't know. Here's tongues. So that when you run out of words to say, maybe you're in a situation where things are too above and beyond and you can't even describe how you're feeling, how you're going to go through it. Maybe you're over it, like over the top with joy. There's just no words for the situation that you're in. God goes, I've now given you tongues just to help that overflowing of your spirit in expressing so that's where this first one, speaking with your mind, praying with your mind, crosses over to praying with your spirit. So in the second part of that last scripture we just read, um, where are we? In 1 Corinthians, in verse 15, it says, So I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with, with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. I will also sing with the understanding. So singing, praying and singing in the spirit, your understanding is unfruitful. You don't know what you're saying. It's a language foreign to you. It's like me speaking Japanese. All I know is konnichiwa. That's about it. And I think that means hello. It's something that God's, it's a gift that God's given us. When you think about it, it's actually quite cool. I had to think about this. Tongues. Your 
out of your mouth, you can be thinking about something completely different. And out of your mouth overflows this beautiful foreign language. Why are we given it? For what purpose? So it says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, so at the beginning of that chapter 14, it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So we're not given it to speak to other people. I can't come up to Ben and be like, blah, 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 and then have Ben go, up, oh, gotcha, 10 4. It's not going to happen. I, did, I wasn't given that gift to then go and speak to Ben in a language that he doesn't understand and I don't understand. I was given that gift so that my spirit might speak directly to my Creator, to God, the person who gave me the gift. That's why we're given it. And in Romans 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. All right. I'm going to just embarrass the most wonderful woman in my life. Hi, Mum. We always speak about mum. I think it's because she's so like pure of heart and stuff. She's perfect for sermons. My mother is the perfect example of tongues in everyday life. When I used to live with mum and dad before we got married, um, you know, I'd be doing what I did, whatever, editing photos, fluff around the house, eating stuff, I don't know, being me for a single. And I would, every now and then hear talking, hushed tones, not like this, like talking like I'm talking, hushed tones, and I just think, sounds like mum, and I always think she was talking to me. It's kind of like that hushed tone that, and I've become well acquainted with this hushed tone, when somebody answers you back but doesn't want to be heard, that hushed tone. (laughs) Not the mumbling, of course, but she was speaking clearly. So that kind of hushed tone. So you can't really tell what they're saying, but they're definitely speaking. So I'd go, she'd be in the laundry or something or out in the garden or wherever it was big, kitchen. And I'd go in the laundry and I'd just stand by the door thinking she was talking to me. So thinking she would be like, Jade. She wasn't talking to me. And I'd listen closely. She's talking weird. In a language I did not understand. Here, mum, talking in tongues. She's completely embarrassed by now. Like, P.S. <laughs> talking in tongues. She's not really focused on speaking in tongues. She's doing the ironing. She's folding. She's hanging the washing out. She's crouched over the garden doing some weeding. She's doing probably my dishes from lunch or something. She's busy doing something else. Her mind is processing something else. And it says, that scripture, where your mind is unfruitful, where is that? First Corinthians, saying, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Her spirit is aware of what's going on in her life. She might have been praying for me. Poor Jade, she's still single. Help her find a husband. Type of thing. And just... 
to praying in tongues, interceding in tongues. But she's ironing away and getting the creases out and doing the gardening. And I used to sit there and listen to her sometimes. She doesn't know this. I used to sit there and listen to her and think, that right there, I want to be that. When I become a mother, when I have so much going on in my life that I have to be busy all the time to get things done, to get the house moving, to get people going, I want that. Where I can just keep talking to God, interceding with my spirit. I might not even know the things that I'm praying for, but my spirit's crying out to God constantly, constantly. And I know where she got it from too. My mother got that from her mother and father. My grandpa. I loved grandpa. He was great. At dinner time. He would, all the time, glory to God, hallelujah. All the time, all the time, glory to God, hallelujah. It didn't matter what we were doing. At the dinner table, in between eating food, glory to God, hallelujah. Finished the dinner, shaking it down as he would. See if he can fit any more in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All the time. It was just like breathing for him. In, out, in, out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All the time. And, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of think it's a bit weird. Like, Grandpa. Whatever, Grandpa. But when you get older and you understand this speaking in the Spirit... Not understanding with your mind, but your spirit is constantly crying out. I have such an appreciation for that. And he, towards the end, had a brain tumor. So he's losing it a bit. And he was living in, um, well, we didn't, at the start, we didn't actually know that he had a brain tumor. Grandma and Grandpa were living with us in our house at Mum and Dad's. Mum was looking after Grandma, who was also sick. Um, And Grandpa just started doing some weird stuff just going a bit like funny and then we kind of cottoned on that you know he's actually sick like he's got a brain tumor it's affecting the way he thinks what he does so he had to go to hospital and whatnot and even in the hospital he completely had lost it he thought that mum and dad had found him in the middle of Papua New Guinea when they went to visit him there even when he lost his understanding he would still pray in the Spirit. Can you get your head around that? I just think that that's so cool. Even when we're just about dust, our spirit still cries out to our Creator. Why? Why? Because we were made to do that. We were made to do that. We were made to have relationship. We were made to communicate with him. We were made to worship. Not la la la, man, glory to God, hallelujah. That is not worship. We were not made for that. He gave us that ability to sing, yes. But that's not why we created. We were created for constant, constant relationship with our father that's why we're given that weird thing that you probably go when someone starts praying out in tongues 
that's weird. That's why we're given that. For constant connection with God. Even though we don't get it. He's given us a beautiful other language that we can commune with him. And you know, like, it's just so, I guess, a part of us. I keep thinking that Bob Dylan song, and I don't want to sing it because I'll get it stuck in my head. We've got to serve somebody. And it's true. Everybody has that longing to worship something. And they might not call it worship. They might call it um, addiction. Um, I don't know. My vocabulary is shot to the ground. Something like that. An attachment to something. Whatever it might be. Everyone's got that thing inside of them that craves something bigger for them to connect with. But we've been given this beautiful gift which just tells us that this is why we were made. This is it. And in Hebrews, again, in Hebrews 13, verse 15, Therefore by him let us continue to offer, offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. By him, it's by God. The gift is given to us by God. Why? For his glory. And it's not given to us so that we might be able to create a place. Heaven forbid I tried to make the music here more like Bethel Church or Hillsong, just so I can think that there's worship here. That's not what this is about. And if you start feeling like worship is an emotion and you feel emotionally detached to God because maybe you haven't been to church for a couple of weeks and you haven't had that singing time, that's not right either. And if you feel like maybe worship is reading your Bible every single day and making that 7 o'clock in the morning every single day, I will read for 20 minutes. It's not a ritual either. It's not something that you can just do and expect connection with God. That's not worship. We need to extend our understanding of what worship is. So, to finish, I feel like I've gone quite short today. I usually say that, but I actually do feel like I've gone short. I need two helpers. I went to Kurong um, with Darren the other day for like a mini date. Um, we went on Thursday night and they're open till nine and we got there at eight thirty. <laughs> Quick. But it was good. I we were looking around for just some reading material. Darren got some good books and I always struggle with books because I look at the cover and go, Hmm, that doesn't look any good. But I went there and I thought, I need a devotional book. I want something that, you know, I can keep a track of with my reading. Something to kind of keep me going during the day. And I struggle with finding devotional books. I really do. I really struggle. And this particular devotional book, I picked it up. And it kind of looks like a Bible. I thought that was really nice. looks pretty on the outside. That's so me. 
and it says, Worship the King. And I went, that's funny. I'm doing a sermon on worship on Sunday. Hmm, maybe I'll pick that up. I really wanted to get the other one that was about something completely different. It was the same brand as this because it had a bird on the front, and I like birds. But it had nothing to do with what I wanted to really, didn't really resonate with me. So I put it back, and then I picked this one up. Worship the King. Hmm, okay. And I thought, and I kind of said to myself, and I said, if this on the very first page has something relevant to me today, I'm going to buy it. And lo and behold, open on the very first page. This is the page I've given you. And it says, in spirit and in truth. So remember that scripture that we read over, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. I want to read this. And I really hate like reading things off a page, but that's why I've given you one too. You, hopefully everyone's got one. If not, share. I printed out a few, but... Okay, so I'm going to read this, and you can read along with me. In word, we are worshipping creatures by nature. It's why we were made. At a glance around, our world reveals a panorama of worship. Our culture alone includes an abundance of styles, a plethora of deities, a multitude of definitions, and myriad motives. Considering the central role of worship in the life of a human being, It is our entire reason for being, as well as the eternal activity of the saints in heaven, according to the word, we might do well to consider what God wants it to be like. Does he prefer informal or formal? Ritualistic or spontaneous? Noisy or quiet? Dignified or recklessly passionate? Nearly everyone has an opinion on these alternatives, but they aren't really the heart of the issue. What God desires most has less to do with how we express our worship than with the spirit behind it. In our adoration of our creator, God seeks inspiration and integrity, sincerity and a spirit of sacrifice. He wants our outward expression to match our inward attitudes. He wants us to not, not to worship ignorantly, but to know who he is. Remember what we read about. Nature, attributes, ways, claims. He wants it to be real. That's too hard for us. We fall into error so easily. We're either too emotional or not emotional enough, too rigid or too unstructured, too self-conscious or not self-aware enough. Most of all, we're apt to turn a worshipful heart into a routine behavior in the blink of an eye. What was sincere devotion yesterday is a performance for God's approval today. What was once an art of passion is now an art of obligation. Our hearts can grow cold faster than we ever thought. And here is a question for you. And a question for me too, seeing as though it was right and smack bang in the front page of my devotional book. What is your worship like? Is it a Sunday ritual or a frenzied emotion that you can put on and take off? Is it limited to one style of music or a particular church? Most important, is it more than skin deep? God seeks those whose worship emanates from deep within. He desires legitimate praise and integrity between heart and mouth. He wants to be the one we treasure most. Most of all, he wants you. 
all of you. And that's it. That's the core of it. God wants you. He wants a relationship with you. So how is your definition of worship?